Hi, it's Jesse, and this is a shout out to everyone who jumped on JoeFresh.com to get my limited edition matching family collection. It's been selling so fast. The baby romper, the kid set, and the dress are my obsessions for the summer. I am loving seeing them on your kids, and they're so affordable. The toddler dress is $16. That's why I bought 10 and smuggled them back into the U.S. illegally for my friend's kids. I shouldn't have said that on a recorded medium. Anyway, the Jesse Collection is out now in select stores and at JoeFresh.com. Get it before it's gone. Or before I'm gone. To jail. It's the first ever episode of Phone a Friend! To celebrate, I'm calling one of my oldest, closest friends, Dan Levy. We'll talk about Shit's Creek, our love lives, and we'll reminisce about our glory days at MTV. You will not die hosting the Hills after show. Plus, Harry Styles is showing booby, Tom Brady is naked, Heidi Montag is getting canceled, and my five-year-old's just traumatized a celebrity child. The premiere episode of Phone a Friend starts right after these ads, I guess. Yeah? Sorry, I'm new to this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Girl, let's phone a friend with Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Phone a Friend. I'm Jesse Crookshank. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for listening. Can I just also say I have butterflies in my stomach right now. Like just saying that and sitting with my little headphones on and finally launching this show that I've been wanting to make for years I have the same feeling that I had when I was backstage at the first ever Hills After Show finale with Lauren Conrad. Okay, I'm about to walk out to Natasha Bedingfield's unwritten. I'm wearing a coral cupcake dress. I have 75 bangles on. I'm sweating so violently I can see my spray tan dripping down the insides of my legs. I have that level of nerves and excitement about launching this podcast, for real. I don't have the spray tan dripping down my legs anymore. Now it's just like a little pee from childbirth-related incontinence. 
But you know what? That's what happens when I get excited these days. And by the way, I'm going to talk about that exact moment from the Hills After Show with today's phone a friend, Dan Levy. I'm clapping for my own guest. I don't know how podcasting works. I feel like I should put a sound effect. Okay, here we go. Dan Levy. Yes. Dan and I started our careers in television together at MTV. We hosted the after show together for five years. We have not caught up anywhere publicly for over a decade. So we're going to talk about our friendship. We'll probably tell very embarrassing stories about each other. We'll reflect on our time at MTV in a way that I feel like I need to give you a heads up. I think might be surprising for some people. It wasn't always easy behind the scenes at MTV for many reasons. And I don't think that Dan has ever talked about his struggles there openly before. So that might be a little shocking for some people to hear. Of course, we're going to talk about Shit's Creek. I'm going to ask inappropriate questions about his personal life because I can. Because we've been friends for almost 20 years. We have gone through so much together. And this is a private conversation that really could only happen between close friends. With all of you listening. Air horn sound effect. Because truly, I consider you close friends. I really mean that. So many of you have been there with me since the beginning. You know, you knew me before I had eyebrows or three kids. We really have grown up together. You are the reason I'm starting this show. I feel like I need an hour a week with all of you where I can talk about anything, where I can rant about stupid pop culture stories or judgy preschool moms, where I can be totally raw and unfiltered without getting in trouble. TBD on the not getting in trouble part. I'm new to podcasting. I don't know how it works, but that's why I started this show to laugh and connect and really to escape, if only for an hour a week with all of you. Also, because this face isn't getting any tighter. Okay, I can't face tune forever. I need a safe space that is not a visual medium to talk shit with you about famous people while sitting in my Kirkland brand full-bottomed underpants looking like Ed Sheeran. Thank you. On each episode, I'm going to break down the biggest stories in culture, but when I don't understand something or like I don't know who someone is or I don't understand why Prince Harry keeps talking about his penis, which is a lot of times, I get to phone someone to explain it to me. So it could be, you know, a long call. It could be a quick call. And sometimes, like today, it might just be a call to catch up with an old friend because you know what? It's my show and I can do whatever I want. If I want a singer from a boy band to give me affirmations, I can. It's your show, girl. Thank you. So let's kick things off by diving into the most important, earth-shattering, hard-hitting news stories happening on the planet. It's been a week. It's been a week. Yeah. Okay, I created my own boy band to sing for me throughout this podcast, which is either the coolest or saddest thing I've ever done. You decide. So the Grammys happened on Sunday, but this podcast comes out on a Thursday. So I feel like by now you've seen all the memes and you've read all the think pieces by music historians, but you haven't heard from me, a mom of three who literally had to Google every single one of the Best New Artist nominees, okay? Who is wet leg? I don't know. So I'm just going to share the three things that have been keeping me up at night about the Grammys. Here we go. First of all, I am full-on beehive. I believe Beyonce deserved to win Album of the Year. Come at me, Harry Styles. 
ideally in your nipple-bearing sequin jumpsuit that you wore on the red carpet, which, can I just say, when my one-year-old daughter, Romy, saw it, she literally looked at him and said, boobies? Boobies. 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 And then I was like, I bet you if she suckled on those boobies, something would come out. That man has, it would probably just be like a stream of sequins and charisma. Just, sorry, now I'm, we've digressed. We're fantasizing about Harry Styles' breast milk, and that's what you have to look forward to on this podcast, friends. So Vogue magazine called this the jumpsuit heard around the world because it was so daring and controversial. My question is, is it? Like, at this point, if you're a man in pop music and you don't show up to the Grammys looking like my Aunt Frances hitting the casino in Palm Beach, Florida, do you even exist? That's just the aesthetic for men in 2023. We shouldn't be shocked and upset by Harry's sequin unitard. We should be upset by Chris Martin's slouchy wool toque. That's a beanie for my non-Canadians. Did you see this? He was literally wearing a hat that, like, Ryan Cabrera wore on his appearances on the hills. It was giving Justin Bobby Alley duh. It looked like an uncircumcised penis from another time just hanging off of the back of his head. And we're upset by Harry Styles' sequins? No. And now that we're talking about headwear, let's talk about our Canadian queen, Shania Twain. Let's go, girl. She is having a shania She is back. She is in her wig era. We love it. We would love for the wig to not be giving Jesse from Toy Story from the post-Halloween sale at Shoppers Drug Mart. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Oh, no. My producer, Jason, is shaking his head. Jason, no, I, this is a public service. This is, this is my duty, my patriotic duty. There was a sheen to it, okay? I just, I'm saying it was definitely flammable, and we want more from our legend. We as a nation demand better. I also want to briefly address Ben Affleck, who was miserable, but also hot. I don't know. Every time I see him, I feel like he's lost 10 pounds. He's like a Kardashian in 2022. He keeps shrinking. The cheekbones keep protruding. And yet, I'm kind of into it. I'm not proud, but there was something about the misery and the little touch of bronze I detected on the cheekbones that worked for me. Finally. I cannot stop thinking about how Beyonce showed up late to accept her record-breaking award. Is anyone else consumed by this? Because it's simultaneously the most relatable and yet unrelatable thing I have ever heard of. Like, imagine being so big, you don't even care to show up on time to make history. At the same time, I'm like, well, she has three kids. I mean, she hit traffic. Yeah, I know what that's like, you know? Do you know how long it takes me to get out the door if I have to do my hair and makeup and wear something cute and make sure Evan has found his dress shoes and the kids are getting in bed and there's no toilet paper stuck to me? A long time. Historically, I have never been on time since birthing my third child. That's the record that I have broken. Not once. Most late arrivals. Thank you. So, in conclusion, Beyonce and I are the same, and my child would like to suckle on Harry Styles' nipples. And now for a segment called Calling All Thirsty Moms. Calling All Thirsty Moms. 
This is where I do God's work by informing you, my parched listeners, about a fine-ass piece of hot dad, or honestly, we'll take a hot anything, that I feel you need to know about immediately. This is my philanthropy. I am the Greta Thunberg of shirtless men. Is that how you pronounce it? I should look into that. Tom Brady, father of three, has posted his first thirst trap, ladies and gentlemen. So he was divorced for four months and retired for five days before posting a selfie in his underpants this week. It took, it didn't take long. And if you haven't seen it, I'm just going to pull it up right here and describe it for you. So he's sitting on a bed. He's holding his crotch region, which kind of defeats the purpose of an underpants selfie. Like, let us see the bulge. Holding the region in some kind of very expensive hotel in a very tropical locale. His body looks like he hasn't eaten a carb in decades. And whatever he did to make his hairline look like that is very much worth the money. The hair is thick. I just appreciate that this is the greatest football player of all time. Hashtag sports. Come to me for all your sports news. He is one of the richest athletes in the world. And yet, like, here he is, desperate as the rest of us, you know? He's divorced, and he's retired, and he doesn't know what to do with himself. He's out here like a lost puppy, wandering around the Cayman Islands or wherever fancy rich place he is taking this selfie. He doesn't know what to do. He sees his ex, Giselle, who has now been photographed many times with her supposed new boyfriend, who is a jujitsu or a Ninjago, I don't know, instructor. Anyway, Tom Brady sees that, and he's not above a thirst tweet. And I do want to clarify that he did post this thirst trap on Twitter, which really does solidify his place in the middle-aged dad who doesn't know how the internet works category. And we applaud it. And that's today in Calling All Thirsty Moms. Calling All Thirsty Moms. Okay, before I phone Dan Levy, I need to talk about Heidi and Spencer. Which is a sentence I don't think I've said since 2009. Heidi recently gave birth to her second child, Riker Pratt. Congratulations. I tried to send my well wishes, but Spencer has blocked me on Twitter. So she posted a video of herself in the delivery room. So she's in the hospital bed. She's just like about to give birth, hugely pregnant. She's eating brisket and getting full glam done by a professional makeup artist. In the delivery room. So the video has 7 million views, and it's caused outrage this week. Everybody's talking about it. People are saying it's damaging. It's sending the wrong message to new moms. She's setting unrealistic beauty standards. First of all, Heidi Montag invented unrealistic beauty standards. That's her brand. Like, we're mad that she's putting makeup on her face. That's not even her face. And she's not hiding anything. It's she's, you know, she's posting this. She's putting it out there. She's not trying to pretend that she like popped out a baby with a natural glow. She's showing us the behind the scenes. We love her for that. The thing that is damaging is that she's promoting eating brisket before childbirth. That is sending the wrong message to new moms. You cannot eat brisket before pushing a child out, okay? Because you might push that out as well. Or else you won't, and then it won't come out for weeks. 
I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I have had one too many children, and I can tell you from experience, not recommended. The makeup artist, however, highly recommended. I gave birth at the same hospital as Heidi. Thank you. No big deal. And had I known I could have hired and brought in a makeup artist, I might have. With, like, I'll just clarify. With Romy, my third child, I she came so quick, I almost birthed her in my car. I was sweating. I vomited on myself. I had an eyelash stuck to my forehead. I was like a hot mess. I set very realistic beauty standards for my daughter. I feel like she came out and looked at me covered in drool and vomit and tears and was like, oh, word, this is what it means to be a woman? Okay, I could do that. But with my twins, I had a scheduled induction. So I checked into the hospital like I was checking into the White Lotus. I had my hair done, nails done. I got the glue-on eyelash extensions. I had my legs whacked, multiple floral robes. I was more put together for my twin's birth than I was for my wedding day, okay? I wanted those pictures to be cute, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sorry, it got me all worked up. That's my public service announcement, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God. Jason, my producer, just wrote pubic service announcement. <laughs> that And that, ladies and gentlemen, is my pubic service announcement. I support women doing anything that makes them feel good before, during, or after pushing a human being out of their body. If your vagin is about to be torn apart, at least you can keep your face intact. Thank you. And welcome to the world, Lil Riker. Look at you named after a prison. Now, it does feel weird to talk about Heidi and Spencer without my former MTV co-host. So should we get to it? Let's phone a friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Okay, I want to talk to four-time Emmy winner and one-time bridesman at my wedding, Dan Levy, about everything from MTV to Schitt's Creek to his love life. Here we go. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm so good. I was about Can't to be say, better than me right now talking no, to you. No. I was going to sing reunited. And Can you clear that? Absolutely not. Okay. So we'll just stop it there. Yep. Thank you for reminding me mm-hmm. what the rules are. This is my premiere mm, episode. We don't want you getting sued. No. God, no. you're always looking out for me. Yeah. I need to be transparent. The show is called Phone a Friend because mm-hmm. I'm supposed to phone someone for every for episode. Help. Well, when I like don't understand something, sure. I can phone a tween to explain oh. something. Like if oh, okay. I don't understand something, which is a lot of times, I can phone a stand. Yeah. But I am supposed to phone someone and I'm mm-hmm. currently sitting in your house. It's like a phone call. It's not a phone call, but... Well- we could get on our phones. We could and just sit across from each other. Which is <laughs> we have not be too more far to, off. Or I could just say, fuck it, this is my show. I'm just going to disregard the premise in the first episode. Let's do that. Okay. It's like as if you'd have never made it to Shit's Creek exactly. in the pilot. You were like, wait, wait, wait for the second app. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. Yeah. So I will be phoning people who are not necessarily my friends. Okay. But It's a very you, scary thing for me. Really? Yeah, phoning strangers. Oh my God, I thrive on it. I know, but we're so different so in that different. regard. So different. You're so comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. And I, I'm like a 
clam or just like <laughs> the shell goes down. Do clams open their shells? I, I don't even know. It's a I terrible analogy. No, it is. And, and I really I've never do want to talk about that mm. with you because that's so funny and mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. And we would always be in such uncomfortable situations together. Mm-hmm. But you are my real friend. Mm-hmm. You are truly one of my oldest, mm-hmm. closest, longtime friends. I feel like you will always be one of the closest people in my life because of the formative Going years. Going through things together. <laughs> we're together. Yeah. It was our entire 20s, Ab- basically. Everything. And considering we're only 29 now... And it's true because we were like, we were together off camera. We were together constantly together. The for job that kind of forced of our lives. a family dynamic because it was so all consuming that you, if you weren't going to hang with the people you were working with, you were kind of screwed. And can you imagine if we didn't like each other? Well, also just the. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. Well, here's the thing I've known you for 17 years, Daniel Joseph. I always thought it was longer than that. Oh, thank you. 17 years, 2006. Mm-hmm. Seven, I know so much about you. And I also have so many questions that I have never been able to ask you that I've always wanted to ask Great. you. So now that I have you strapped down to a I can't hot move. mic, you mm-hmm. can't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In your own home, yeah. you are going to be forced, forced to answer all of them. to confront Does hard truths. Work for you? Sure. <laughs> hard truths. And there will be very few hard truths. Hmm. I'll just put that out there. Or not. Okay. Or it could just be this entire interview is nothing but hard truths. It's going to take a Cut hard Cut to the premise turn. changes. Your entire podcast is just called Hard Truths. Jesse Crookshank. Hard, hard Truths. truths. Mm-hmm. Hard Truths. Well, you are who I turn to for really hard. Hard. When you want hard mm-hmm. truths, you come to me. Barbara Walters, R.I.P. and you. And me. Yeah. When she passed away, R.I.P., I thought, mm-hmm. this is my moment. This is your opportunity. Hard Truths. Okay. So I want to take you back to that time. But first, I realize that I am sitting with a global fashion superstar, icon, legend, Mm. icon. And this is not a visual medium. So for our listeners, I'd like to describe everything that you're wearing head to toe. You can do the same for me, head to toe, so we can create a vivid mental Had I known this was happening, I probably would have put an outfit on. (laughs) No, you have an outfit on. Okay. Dan Levy. Mm. Cue music. Dan Levy is wearing, it's a disheveled denim. It's a a raw denim. Mm Mm-hmm. The knees, there's a hairy knee poking mm-hmm. out of the raw, the raw denim. It's on the bottom, there's a black sock. It's a charcoal gray sock. It's a charcoal gray sock mm-hmm. with a mohair. I think it's a fur. Faux. It's, it's a faux. It's definitely a faux. It's a faux. Mm-hmm. Hair Birkenstock. Yeah. Black sandal. And then on top, we have a Canadian tuxedo happening. It is a raw denim uh, jacket, it's a clean white t shirt. Mm-hmm. It is a jaunty cap. Baseball cap. Baseball cap. Sporty. Yeah. Absolutely. Off duty. You were just playing sports before this. I was. Mm-hmm. Baseball. Uh-huh. Oh, my I God. I came from the diamond. I saw the catcher's mitt out there, back mm-hmm. there. And uh, what would you call this? It's a sheer gray. Like a, yeah, like a gray. Frame. From. Optical frame from DLI wear. From DLI wear. Yeah. Available now. Available always. Always at. <laughs> This this is, is dl.com. DL. Wow. Thank you. We didn't even pre-plan that. No, plug. that was and it right off the bat too. 
got that out of the way. Go ahead and describe my look. Jesse is wearing what I would describe as kind of a classic Crookshank ensemble. Mm. It feels like a very sort of, um, it's a fun play on like what I know you to, oh, a, really? a classic silhouette. An aged A high-waisted, uh-huh. I'm going to go with vintage? Yeah. Pair of Levi's. Absolutely it is, yeah. With a lovely um, floral coral. Uh-huh, it's a coral. Button down. Um, some iconic gold chains. Absolutely. I actually had to take, remove a bangle. Remove some. For audio purposes. And we have other gold accessories. We have a classic cat eye. And we have a white. It's a Lululemon. I guess we'd call that like a practical, like athletic sock. I'm sorry. It is Lululemon. I would call it a rich person's sock. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it looks very expensive. I put on my most expensive white. White no athletic socks. socks. Mm-hmm. Athletic socks for you. Because I was also socks. playing sports uh, before this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was a real thing. I know. It really was. And I want you to appreciate more beauty. I'm going to show you a photo of us. I believe we're nightclubbing in 2007. I was going to bring this up. When you had talked about our friendship Uh on camera and off camera, my mind went straight to this night. Me too. So what are you wearing in this image? I will have to post this so people know what we're talking about. Um, I am wearing, it's either a marching band jacket or some kind of military jacket. I believe I was with you when you purchased that. Um, Dicton Market. I am also in a low cut V-neck pale pink top man t-shirt. Oh my God, you remember the brand? I know. I can remember every piece of clothing I've ever worn. Stop. Yeah, it's like an almost, it's like a. It's a gift. It is a gift. Yeah. I was in a pair of spray-on um, <laughs> All Saints denim, skinny pants, so, skinny jeans. So tight. I don't hate it. No, actually, it's not the most embarrassing picture I could find. I just no. thought it was really illustrative of a time. It was. Because next to you, you can go ahead and describe my look. Well, you are in you are in a top that you wore to your audition at MTV. Absolutely. It's made from a scarf. Just Multiple scarves sewn yeah. together. Uh-huh. Handmade. Uh, with your signature... Belt. Large belt. Statement belt. Half the torso. Huge bangles. Huge. You're doing a like rock on hand (laughs) and your tongue's out. Oh my God, I am. Thank you. And this is You had a lot of fun that night. Look how drunk I am in this picture. Well, I can remember exactly how drunk you were. At all times. I was drunk when not on camera. I was drunk. You had a lot of fun that evening. Do you remember that evening? No, what happened? We don't need to get into it. No, tell me what happened. I don't remember. No, you have children. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, my children don't care they're not listening they don't even speak english well what happened you don't remember no okay did i throw up somewhere no tell me what no you were did i make out with someone yeah who was it not my current husband (laughs) not your current husband (laughs) no i don't think you were were you with no, I wasn't current? with my current husband. Okay, no. let's just specify yeah. that. No, I was very I'm not single. kind of revealing on a no, podcast. I was very single. If oh my God. Would, I don't, Who did I make out? I fi- I'm very protective of personal... Well, it's your podcast. It's you 2007. Oh my God. Jesse showed up later okay. than we did okay. to this party. Yeah. And I, at the time, was still kind of... I wasn't totally comfortable with my sexuality... 
it wasn't something that I was like, and it was also at the time of like the witch hunt, the gay witch hunt mm. in terms of like blogs, people outing people. The Perez Hilton. And I was still kind of in that world where I was letting that define me, mm. which is sad. Mm-hmm. So I remember seeing these like hot guys on the dance floor. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're making out with one of them. And I was thrilled for you. I'm thrilled. But I was for also jealous. Oh my God. What? I'm so mortified. What? So we continue dancing. I okay. believe what was the song that was playing at the time? I will remember this. It's Hillary Duff's Beat of My Heart. <laughs> no. And I, by the end of the song, you were being passed off by the hot guy no. to his <laughs> other hot friend. Oh, damn. And you were making out with the no. other hot friend. Now, just for the clarity of everyone at home, we, you were very much an active participant. Oh, this was not no, any no, no, kind yes. of an insidious thing. No, yeah. You were I was always an active living for yourself. Absolutely. And I was rage jealous, <laughs> but also like thrilled for you. Oh my god. Because not only were we having like a really great night out, but you were like really going for it. Well, I'm so happy you bring this up because really Look at me now. I've been with the same person for 15 years. Mm -hmm. There was a time where we would go out, we would get drunk, and I would make out in alleys. Mm. I would make out in bars. I believe at one point you were kissing the one guy and and like had your hand behind his back, like holding the hand of the other guy. (laughs) I'm I'm mortified. And why would you ever be mortified about? Well, I would be thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to think. I wish it was my story. (laughs) You had your moments eventually. I guess. But never like that. No. I was often, you would probably be like, where is Jesse? And I would be like outside of the bar in a back alley making out with mm-hmm. like a colleague or a stranger. Sure. You know? Mm-hmm. Different wow. times. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing that up. You're so welcome. <laughs> I, I am like, because that will never happen again. I am proud. Because I'm sorry to sound like an elderly person, which I am, but now... I see kids in their 20s and they're not doing that dumb shit. They're I think like, they are. No. Have uh, you watched Euphoria? Yeah. No, actually, I need someone to explain that to me. That'll be a future episode okay. of the podcast. Okay. Well, I'm glad that we went through that together. Mm. So let me take you back. Let's reminisce for a moment. I mm-hmm. want to take you back to a time where our interests included thrift shopping, mm. heavy drinking, mm-hmm. dancing. I actually only started drinking. At MTV. Wow. Is that true? Yeah. You didn't drink in college? I was never, I never touched really, I still have never had a cigarette. Ever? I don't do drugs. I don't, yeah. Wow. So really it was that period in your your life. Oh yeah. MTV completely corrupted me to my core. It was dark. Yeah. Okay. So I remember every night after school, people were going to school. (laughs) After work. Every after night work, after work, people were going to yeah. a bar. And you and I would go out to like a weird restaurant after an after show taping and have a glass of Pinot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the first time we met was at the MTV audition in 2006. Can you paint us a picture of where you were at in your life at that time? I had just had a very kind of revelatory life shift. Mm. I was in a very not great semi-relationship on and off for multiple years that left me feeling very small. And I was generally quite anxious socially to begin with. And I knew that if I didn't do something quite active to change my fear of, so I mean, talking 
going back to the conversation we had about like picking up the phone and cold calling people. Yeah. Could never do that at that time. Right. Um, even people that called my, like when I was living with my parents, like in school, like friends of their, of my parents would call and I would avoid the picking phone. Picking up the phone? Yeah. Out of, because was, of anxiety? I Yeah. Because of the social anxiety of it. Wow. I moved to London to try to extract myself from the situation mm-hmm. and also to put myself in a situation where I would be forced to kind of be pulled out of my shell because I knew I wouldn't do it if it wasn't some kind of drastic choice that I made. Mm. And I did it. And I worked at a talent agency in London for, I think, half a year or something. Yeah, Was answering phones, was working as an assistant in the office. It was very much like a forced social activity that I had no choice but to try to keep up with. Mm-hmm. Came back to Canada very much changed for the better. Mm. And soon after getting back to Toronto, I had heard that MTV was doing these auditions. And I thought, well, why not? Part of the new me. Wow. And so I went to the audition. And was that where we met? What do you? Uh, we met at the final round. Okay, so I had already had the job at that point, which I did not know. Yes, nobody knew because mm-hmm. why would it not be overly complicated and like <laughs> right strange? So you got the job already. What do you remember? I from your they audition? were going to tape when I first did my first audition. They were going to tape it mm-hmm. for a reality show about mm-hmm. like. The next VJ. My worst, literal worst night. And I was mortified, mm-hmm. but I went through it. And one of the things that they made us do was they handed us $100. My God, yes. That story. And told us to like spend it. Yes. But it wasn't properly like communicated. <laughs> like, what are you spending it on? They kind of just said, we'll spend the money. And so people were coming back with like yoga mats and mm. CDs like, at the time. Like to charity. Yeah. And I, at the time, was working at a video store that was also kind of like a cable the company. Rogers Video. Rogers Video. I don't know what the reach is for mm. this podcast in terms of like outside of Canada. But if if yeah. you happen to listen outside of Canada, it was a video. cable was like, conglomerate yeah. that also was a video store. Mm-hmm. If we don't know what a video store is, that's... Mm. Um, then my demo is very young and I welcome that. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up going to my job because I was still working at the video store when I was auditioning for this thing right? and paid my cable bill (laughs) with the $100 and then bought some shampoo and some groceries and came back and said like you this $100 is allowing me to live for another week so thank you which is genius well it was a risk in the sense that I thought what could I do with this money that would both potentially give me a kind of edge Uh in that the way that I spent it was somewhat creative right but also if it backfired on me it worked in my favor because you paid your cable bill trust me like those cable bills were expensive and i was not making that much of the no you lived in a basement apartment i did yeah yeah. i think i was making 350 dollars every two and a half weeks at the rogers at the rogers video so if you think of how much a cable bill was that's saving a lot of money i remember hearing because i wasn't at that round of the auditions I remember hearing this and feeling the same kind of rage jealousy that you felt about my threesome makeout I felt about that what a swing well that's why it's like ultimately I think in those kinds of situations you have to be unabashedly yourself absolutely because if they don't want you yeah and this took me a long time to learn once I actually got the job Mm -hmm. if they don't want 
you, then you're not the right fit for the job in the first place. So I kind of just thought, well, they're either going to buy it or they're not. And right. if they don't, then it works in my favor. And you're 21? I was 21, I think. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So cut to, if I can just, my POV for a moment. Mm. I send in a tape mm-hmm. cut by my now husband, father of my three mm-hmm. children. In Evan. New York City. That is where we met. Yes. Yeah. Said in the tape, get called in for this final audition. I'm so fucking nervous. Never done anything like this in my life. I'm like shaking in my seven low rise bootcut denim. I remember those jeans. Who doesn't? Get there. It is, I don't know if you remember it like this, but it was like central casting for hot, cool 20-year-olds. It was like United Nations of aspiring VJs Mm -hmm. gathered together, Mm -hmm. and I instantly gravitated towards you because you you and I were the only people who were not like the hunk with the wrist cuff or like (laughs) the sexy girl. I think I actually might have had an Adidas wrist cuff at the time. Absolutely. Or, or maybe bought the wrist cuff after getting the job, which is actually quite sad in terms of how much I was selling out. I think you were wearing stripes. I definitely had like a terry cloth. Cuff. No, for, you didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forearm band. Oh, it was my like a, God. It was like what tennis players used to wipe sweat wow. off their foreheads, except I just used it Perfection. to complement my like gap parachute pants. Absolutely. And vest. Maybe there was a vest. Maybe the vest came later. It was definitely vest at, at, at a point in time. Yeah. So Dan's there for day one of the audition. Day two, they only call back a handful of people and Dan is not there. I'm devastated because I'm like the one person who I had to talk to is no longer here. Also, that guy was really funny. Like, fuck this. And one of the people I forget who comes over to the group of remaining aspiring PJs and mm-hmm. says, you might notice that Dan uh, is no longer here. Does anyone think he deserved to be here today? And I was the only person who put up my hand. Well, first of all, let's talk about the toxicity of that (laughs) scenario. I had dropped out of school Mm. to take this job. Mm. What good would asking that question have done? Well, I don't know, because everyone else was like, yeah, he wasn't great. No. (laughs) And I had my hand up and I was like, I thought he was really funny. Mm. So I'm glad you were my one fan among a sea of people we ended up working with. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Hey, hey guys. Listen. What? You've done okay. To my credit, I was not good. Excuse me? When you began? When I began, and and let's be honest, through most of the... That is absolutely untrue. When we began, we were not good. We started the after show together, which we can explain was not ever really meant to be the after show was an afterthought. Very much so, yeah. Like, can we talk about the Canadian content of it all for people who don't know? Mm-hmm. You had to have a certain amount of Canadian right. programming. Because MTV Canada was not a music licensed network. Yeah, we had a talk license. We had to create talk shows. Mm. And they were like, we'll just th- literally throw Dan and Jesse on live to talk mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. So do you remember our first episode? I do. Do you we remember were, what we were wearing? No. Come on. T-shirts mm-hmm. that were handmade, mm-hmm. that were tea-stained mm-hmm. for some reason. <laughs> because we had handmade Team Lauren and Team Kristen, maybe, T-shirts uh-huh. for our first episode. And someone was like, you can't wear white on TV, which is a great myth of television. Yeah. So our idea... 
having come out of college was to like tea stain them like you might a college essay from the olden days. Yeah, like on Shakespeare or something. Uh, like a papyrus. Mm-hmm. So we hand tea stained our t-shirts and went on television for yeah. the first time together alive wearing a brown wasn't good. Tea soaked shirt. Neither one of us was ever looking at the right camera. We would be looking You know, I've never rewatched anything. Mm. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I've never You can't. I can't do it. Mm. It's really funny now. I it used to be hard for me to watch it. Now it's quite funny. Mm. Like we're finger pointing to camera. Mm. We don't know mm-hmm. where to look. We're on the floor because we didn't. We're sitting on pillows on the floor. We're drinking real alcohol, which they gave us for the first part that of that I show. Think, not to like make it more of a thing than it is. You realize that that kind of freedom and that kind of scrappy approach to TV just doesn't happen anymore. Mm-mm. They don't make television now mm-hmm. unless it's absolutely fail safe. Mm-hmm. And. What I've learned through that process and also through making Schitt's Creek was that when you have not a lot mm. to work with, it forces a level of creativity, a level of commitment, a level of enthusiasm, a level of strategy that you don't sometimes get when everything's handed to you on a silver platter. So, so the fact that we were not only writing the shows helping to produce the shows, helping to cut the tape for the shows, somehow organizing, like, I, I there had to have been other things that we were oh, also we doing. Oh, everything. We were, like, our, booking my own flights hair? for, like, oh my God. talent. Like, so what I realized after leaving that experience, there was not a day where I hosted TV where I ever felt comfortable doing it, but the experience of the knowledge of how to make something from every different perspective. Mm-hmm is invaluable and has helped to shape certainly my career Mm. because Schitt's Creek was very much the same thing. It was like working on a shoestring, Mm -hmm. had to do a ton of jobs myself. Mm -hmm. You're just scrapping and fighting and trying to make sure that at least what you're doing is makes sense to you and is something that you feel good about, Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't look exactly how you want it to look or even if it's not as polished as you want it to be. All you have at the end of the day is the closure of knowing like, did I do the best job that I possibly could. And coming out of that experience, much like coming out of the MTV experience, when you are forced to kind of have eyes all over the production, Mm -hmm. it only makes what you do after that much, not easier, but a little bit more smooth because I can talk to a costume department or a production design department, or I've been in the edit bay for every single day of editing 80 episodes of TV. I know how to speak to departments now in ways that I think a lot of people who have just been like plopped into one slot would never have access to. So it's hard, but in a way it's, I wouldn't have it any other way. I feel the exact same way. I feel so grateful that we were thrown out there. I swear to God, I think we had a team of four mm-hmm. including us mm-hmm. like the other show mtv live had 40 people mm-hmm. maybe working on it writers everything we had us mm-hmm. and two other people we were writing our own shit we were writing our mm-hmm. own jokes like the low budget nature of that mm-hmm. show forced us 
to learn how to do everything. Look at this cat eye. That's because our makeup mm-hmm. artist taught me how to do my own makeup because I had to do it a lot mm-hmm. of the time, you know, like so many things. Yeah, I remember the first time I had a writer on a show and I was like, wait, you're hired to write mm-hmm. words for me? Mm-hmm. Never in my life. I'm in a writer's room right now on a show. And I mean, on Schitt's Creek, we were literally working out of like a we workspace. Right. I can't even wrap my mind around the whole season. The whole all we were seasons. working out of like eight foot by ten foot rooms with no windows, like oh anywhere that we could find that was cheap, right? Because we couldn't afford proper rooms. Because the show didn't blow. I mean, we're jumping, but like until when you were making it, it wasn't as massive, massive, massive. No, I think it reached its peak like just as we finished making it. Wow, which is the opposite of how television normally works. So you were still in that. Doing it all. Yeah, I think that's like none of us have had all of us who kind of went through the process of the success of the show. Yeah. Don't feel it because it happened while we were in quarantine at home. And isn't that a blessing that you I would not want it. Yeah. I first of all, again, social anxiety, like the fact that we were able to like do a lot of these award show things from home was great really yeah but you had such good looks i mean i guess you got to still showcase them yeah yeah but the fact that it kind of happened and then the very next day like it it wasn't eventized in the way that i think it would be if we were to have done it in a huge like kodak theater kind Mm. of situation so it feels like it happened but it also feels like it was a joke like it feels like we were punked a bit and the emmy goes to Daniel Levy, Shit's Creek. Okay, the internet's about to turn on me. I'm so sorry. Can I just tell you this? I'm sure I, I sent you like a thousand texts when that happened. I was so over, I was weeping watching you. <laughs> I did not expect, I was just like casually watching, mm. weeping watching you accept that award because, oh my God, because you were, you were like you. There was no, um, you weren't trying to be cool in that moment accepting that award. It was like stupid Dan from the Misshapes nightclub. Like, just, you just were overcome and you just transformed into this like person that I know so well. And it was like watching, it was amazing. I just felt so, it was, uh, it was amazing to watch. I was so excited and so proud. And now I'm weeping, I'm just <laughs> openly crying. You know, I try to be as as like I'm a, I'm generally I err on the side of sincerity. Yeah. Over like Pretending. trying to be cool about totally. things. And it's hard sometimes because you think I know I'll get like roasted on the internet or I know that like anytime you're well-intentioned or like whatever it's always mm-hmm. kind of something about sincerity in our culture right now is like Granted, I think it's often weaponized into kind of toxic positivity and all of that sort of mm-hmm. thing, which is a whole other conversation. But mm-hmm. that night of the Emmys, like watching it back, I cringe because why? Because I'm such a yeah, like, you're such I'm a such, you're a, geek. such a loser. Well, like in the gen- best way, it was way. very genuine. Yes, we had. I thought that night, if we're lucky, Catherine might. Or my dad might. Right. And you had been saying, by the way, to me for years, like, if Catherine doesn't win an Emmy for this show. I think the work that she was doing from day one deserved an Emmy. Right. And people just hadn't seen the show. Uh Uh-huh. 
so that was my hope. And I kind of just made the choice when we walked in, not that it was much of a choice because it was so reactive, mm. that I wasn't going to play it cool. I didn't want that memory to be corrupted by me trying to be a version of something that the internet thought was cool. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Does that make any sense? Yes. I never expected this for myself. It was the most insane night of my life. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you were so unabashedly you was my, what I felt such joy and pride as I was like, that's my friend being mm. my friend on this, the, the biggest stage imaginable. Mm. And that's a really hard thing, I think, for a lot of people to do. And because if we can go back, you know, when we were at MTV, a lot of people thought we were a couple. Mm. LOL. Like mm -hmm. you would literally sh be shrieking about a Kelly Clarkson video in a jaunty vest. And mm -hmm. people were like, but what a great couple they are. <laughs> but that was because you weren't fully comfortable being out. You were very not. much out in your own life, but on camera. Do you remember why? Uh, it was the same fear I think that everyone had at the time, which was, will it change my career? Mm. Will the opportunities be limited? Will I always wanted to act? Like, would that limit my life as an actor? At the time, like, there wasn't a ton of out actors that were, like, thriving and drowning in work. That's so true. Um, and also, I think the way that it was happening at the time where you had these kind of bloggers making it their job to out people... Mm -hmm. Um, without their consent, mm -hmm. like it was some kind of news responsibility. Mm -hmm. We didn't have the sensitivity, I think, that we do now, at least, yeah. around people's coming out and the fact that it's an incredibly personal experience. I mean, I think we all knew it at the time. Mm -hmm. So when you do feel like there's this, like, hunt mm. for you know, to like out gay people of note in culture. Like it almost makes you want to hide even more because you don't want to draw any attention to yourself. Mm. That said, like our show philosophically was always in defense of, it was always in support of, mm -hmm. it was, I never felt like I compromised any of the conversations we had. No. It was a very kind of, I felt very proud of the conversations we were having at the time, as mm -hmm. silly as they might be. Mm -hmm. They were meaningful and they were, especially considering we were talking to kind of like young people. Yes. <laughs> like it was cool that yeah. we were able to kind of ha take the stances that we had and talk about the things that we did, which were all kind of things that you learn from and mm -hmm. mistakes that you make. And that's all part of it. But um, no, it was not a comfortable part of my it was was not a comfortable time mm. do you think because i don't think i realized this at the time but looking back we've talked a little bit about it since do you think because a lot of people don't know the cult it, this was a different time the culture and the environment that we were working in mm -hmm. in that basement mm -hmm. we were in a basement mm -hmm. was very heteronormative straight mm -hmm. a lot of straight mm -hmm. men a lot of like jokes about tits. Mm -hmm. Did that environment? I mean, you must have. How did you feel? I, I was. I. I didn't feel particularly free. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like conform to the culture of of the workplace, mm -hmm. or 
sit it out. Mm-hmm. But it was never like, let's pause what we're doing to listen to you. Right. Maybe you had a slightly different experience, but, you know, it was, an, it was, and it's hard because I don't know whether, and maybe this is an apologist kind of perspective, mm-hmm. which maybe I shouldn't be having. Okay. But it was, I don't know whether it, I can place blame on people for it mm-hmm. because that's just how it was. Do I feel like I could have been taken care of a little bit better? Do I think there could have been more sensitivity around handling different types of people? to make sure that everyone felt like they were a part of the team and like weren't sort of a a stingy hangnail Mm -hmm. if they didn't like some of the conversations or didn't like parts of the culture or didn't like how aggressive it tended to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to name names, but I remember walking into work one day and someone asked me what I did on the weekend. Uh Uh-huh. I said, well, I installed a dimmer switch in my apartment. <laughs> uh-huh. And that person said, wow, it's almost like you're a real man. And I thought, this isn't right. No. But at the time, it was not, there was no sensitivity. No. And there was nobody to go to. No. Because it was a different time. And that's, y- yes. And that's why I think I, I only had that revelation recently i thought only in the last few years have i thought to myself i wonder what that was like for dan and i recently remembered a time for me where just to illustrate the Mm -hmm. culture and what was acceptable Mm -hmm. where for like a bit on mtv live i was in my dressing room the dressing room i shared with eight other Mm -hmm. hosts we had one small Mm -hmm. room that we all shared Mm -hmm. i was in there getting ready getting dressed changing and the door burst open and it was a camera crew doing a big prank on me with Jacob Hogard of Headley <gasps> and possibly prison, now prison, fame, uh-huh. but naked, head to toe, runs in with cameras and starts humping me in the corner of the dressing room naked while I'm trying, like half trying to change with cameras. And it was like, ha, 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 what a hilarious prank from our guest. You should be so lucky you had a naked pop I don't even remember star. that. Because it was, you wouldn't have remembered it because it was a Tuesday. And I, at the time, was like, ah, ha, ha. I remember feeling a little uncomfortable, but also being like, well, that was funny, I guess. Mm-hmm. No one asked if they could, like, crazy. But I think that's why so much is changing now. The change in the conversation of, like, how important it is for mm-hmm. people to be comfortable and for conversations to happen, like, it's a it's a different it's just a different Absolutely. time. Absolutely. But wait, can we then do you have one like positive bright is there a memory or something that stands out for you from our time there, from all of our time together? Something that like pops. Imagine I said no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Jesse, no. Well, let's talk more about the toxic I think masculinity. This chat is done. Okay. Um no I'm I not. have one. Like that's that's like ingrained. Okay. I want to know if you have the same one. Was it the Lauren Conrad after show one? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty great. To lay the groundwork. Yes. I think this memory we're both sharing is mm-hmm. we were doing this show, mm-hmm. which essentially is Watch What Happens Live. Can we just take credit here live <laughs> on a, for creating an entire culture and format of television? I think if people were to do the research, they would realize that a lot of what we were doing in that format mm. informed a lot of the post-chat shows that exist 
today. Mm-hmm. The four of us in that basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a it's a very different thing. We were working on the show. Yeah. And finally, we heard that the cast of The Hills were going to come and do our show. To fly to Toronto. Yeah. Which was a huge get for us mm-hmm. at the time, considering, again, it's four people in a basement in Toronto. And this show was like... No, we didn't know that anyone was watching. Exactly. There was no social media. We're wearing tea-stained t-shirts. Go on. And then we find out at one point halfway through the day that there's like a lineup of 3,000 people mm-hmm. outside of the building. Police have arrived with barricades and dogs. And it wrapped all the way down the street, all the way down another street, mm-hmm. all the way down another street, mm-hmm. all the way down another street. Mm-hmm. I remember a guy in the building, because the studio that we were working out of used to be an old concert hall. And I remember a guy who had worked there from the beginning saying, like, we didn't get this for Bowie. <laughs> Which, I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> um, but when I say it, it had very little to do with the hills. Yeah. For me, the fondness of that memory mm-hmm. came from a small team of people mm-hmm. building something that struck a chord with people. Granted, the show was very much in the cultural zeitgeist. The Hills, they like, you know, Lauren Conrad was the most famous woman, woman in pop period. culture at the time. Mm-hmm. So it all made sense. But yeah. the fact that we were able to build that yeah. and have that happen, yeah. of course, had to do with The Hills, but was also a very kind of, it was a moment when I felt like all of this work that we're doing mm-hmm in the corner of this office Mm. because nobody wanted to (laughs) deal with it actually has struck a chord on a very big cultural level within Canada Uh and eventually like bled into the States as well. Right. But But we had no idea. That's why that to me, I have this memory of standing behind a curtain with 3,000 or however many thousands of people they packed into that building that night. Standing behind a curtain. Definitely a fire hazard. Absolutely yeah. illegal. With you. And at the end of the day, it was like, there's a, I remember there was a trash can where we were standing next to a trash can before mm-hmm. we walked out on stage. That's and I was very, like, that, just to that set. sums it up. Yeah, that sums it up. It's you, me, and a trash can. Uh-huh. Literally no one else. And I thought I was going to throw up in the trash can. I was so nervous. But I remember just being like, it's you and me. Mm. It's just you and me, mm-hmm. this stupid little thing. Mm-hmm. And here we are. And now there's 3,000 people mm-hmm. who have come to see us. Like, what? What on mm-hmm. earth? It's amazing because I bookend that experience with the polar opposite experience, which is us hosting the MTV Movie Awards red carpet. Yes, go on, please. Many, many years later. Yes. And this is when I knew how good you were oh. and how bad I was. <laughs> We were hosting, we had somehow been asked to host the MTV Movie Awards red carpet. Yes. And I was so uncomfortable. I hated red carpets. I never felt comfortable on them. Mm-hmm. I requested at one point to never do them. I remember. That's why and, I had to do them all. Yeah. Yeah. So somehow, I guess because the opportunity was so big, we we went and we did mm-hmm. this. And it was, from start to finish, the most uncomfortable, nerve-wracking, nauseating experience. And we wrapped the carpet. Yeah. And I remember just being so grateful for how good you were. Oh. Because if I was left by myself on that carpet, it would have been an absolute disaster. But you were on it. You knew all the talking points. You, like, picked up the... Anytime I was, like, awkwardly trying to, like, ask Sienna Miller a question you were like got in with the right question and like got it back on track and I remember the carpet ending Mm. and 
crying. That's how bad it was. I remember that. Wept, burst into tears. And it was a moment that was very definitive for me because I realized I had been doing something Mm -hmm. that fortunately because of our dynamic was very comfortable and easy. Mm -hmm. But I knew in that moment that this was not my path. And I knew by contrast of how good you are at it, Mm. that some people are meant to do this and some people are not. I mean, it's amazing that you bring that up, too, because there were so many times where we were in such high-pressure situations, doing these big shows at mansions in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. these little kids from a basement mm-hmm. with no prior experience. And there were so many times when it was like, if I fucked up, you would have my back. And if you fucked up, I had mm-hmm. your back. Like, we would switch. Sometimes I would know what you were supposed to say, and if you didn't say it, I would jump in, and vice versa, like... There was such a trust. That's what I mean when I say like nobody else has shares this experience mm-hmm. like you. Do you have any other traumatic memories? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to discuss? Jesse, we don't have the time for the that. The time we forgot our clothes. I don't know how long this <laughs> podcast is, but I'll tell you one thing. Do what? That blanket question. Do, <laughs> do you have any other traumatic memories? Unless this is a 10 part special. <laughs> Um, we start. You want to be specific? <laughs> we start with the time that we were told Spencer might shoot us from a balcony. Oh yeah, we that. go there. Mm. God, there's a lot. Okay, I know. I remember calling my mom at mm. that point because there was someone had come to us and said Spencer Pratt, the series finale, had shown up to the hotel. We yeah. were doing the series finale for the Hills. Yeah, and he'd shown up with a backpack, mm-hmm. and I remember this description very vividly. They said a backpack of rattling metal. And I think people were concerned. And I remember calling my mom and saying like, yeah, there's like a security situation. Like someone like, I don't know what it is. Like they're saying like, it might be a weapon. It might be a thing. And my mom said to me on the phone, you will not die hosting the Hills after show. (laughs) Dev Divine come with all the quotes. No offense to the Hills. No. But like, she's right. How you want to go. Okay, so you make season one of Schitt's Creek with your dad. Shortly after wrapping the first season, you come to be a bridesman in my wedding. That's true. I was like, where is this going? Like weeks after, mm-hmm. you're wearing a suit, that you, a white short suit mm-hmm. that you had put together. The I found out was white. Was, was like white. white. Yeah. All the bridesmaids were wearing white. All white. Yes. Cut to series finale of Schitt's Creek. Hmm. You are walking down the aisle I, in yet another... The closest I've gotten to walking down the aisle. Well, that's what I'd uh, like to discuss. Because again, that... Yes. Okay. That was a misty moment for me because you're so good in that scene. And I really felt like I was watching my friend of 17 years mm. get married. Probably because that's the closest you're going to get. <laughs> is it? Will I ever witness a... I don't know. Marriage isn't something... Is ha- no, I don't... I don't, you don't know if it's something you want? I mean, I'm, I think if someone wanted it, mm. but I don't know. I'm not going to ask you to talk about your personal life on this hot <laughs> microphone. I think one of the other questions you asked was any more deep trauma you want to share. <laughs> so why stop here? We're off to a great start yeah. on this premiere episode. Mm-hmm. Do you have Valentine's plans, Daniel Joseph? Jesse, <sighs> Valentine's what? Day is... I think the worst holiday <gasps> on the planet. Why? Because celebrate the person you're with every day. Well, 
Why do we need one day where like someone forgets a Valentine's gift and a relationship falls apart? Because Hallmark has decided that Valentine's Day is a day when everyone needs to like show their love for each other. It's a romantic day. If you're in a relationship, I'm not right now, but like hopefully you have many romantic days. Sure. But let me tell you, when you have three kids, you barely have a romantic day Okay, many years. Are you asking for things for Valentine's Day? Like, what? No. You, I'm asking, like, are you going to be home that night? Or are you going to be at work till late? Like, what's... Well, there's no celebration when now. When is Valentine's Day? I believe it's Tuesday. So you're not in a relation. No, I'm not in a relationship. Um, I know your type. You have a type of person. I don't really have a type anymore. It's grown and evolved. It's either grown and evolved or like the standards have just. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Are they breathing? Are they available? They must be alive. Okay. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because I would like to briefly, just briefly play a game. I'd like to fantasize about this perfect person in a game I'd like to call Dan. I'd like to fantasize, which is Uh cleverly an acronym for DILF. Okay. So I'm going to list qualities. You simply choose your preference. Mm. Okay. So cue romantic music. Do you prefer taller than you or shorter than you? Doesn't matter. Older or younger? Doesn't matter. Facial hair or clean shaven? Depends on the person. Ooh. Glasses or perfect vision? Doesn't matter. Works in show business or far from it? Ooh. I guess preferably far from it. Okay. Something different maybe from what you like. Yeah. Yeah. I've never dated an actor. Mm-hmm. I think that might be hard. Mm-hmm. But who knows? There's still time. Blonde or brunette? I don't know. Really? I don't know. I didn't include redhead. <laughs> Exclusively redheads. Exclusively mm-hmm. redheads. Got it. Um, let's print that. Great style or doesn't care about style? Oh, doesn't. I don't care. Mm. Tattoos or no tattoos? I don't care. Six pack or no pack? Preferably kind of no pack. Mm. Homebody or adventurer? I'm a homebody, so I guess maybe an adventurer would be a nice change. But yes. I feel like adventurers tend to want adventurers. Right. Which would either, like, force me to leave the house or, like, end the relationship. <laughs> okay, lastly, loves Beyonce or loves Mariah? You want me to... Yeah, you have to choose. No, I absolutely will never choose. Okay. I would say as long as they're an enthusiast, generally speaking. Thank you. Then you'll accept. I gave you the worst answers to that quiz. Ding, 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 ding. Do you have someone for me at the end of this? No, just thank you for letting us. Okay, that feels misleading. No, I appreciate you letting all of the strangers listening fantasize. Yeah, 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 yeah. All those strangers fantasize. (laughs) (laughs) No one has literally ever fantasized with you and I in the same room. It's never occurred. (laughs) Dan Levy, everybody. But you don't think that's it, do you? We talked for hours. And so next week on Phone a Friend, I am bringing you part two of my maybe too revealing phone call. Sorry, I mean chat in the same room with Dan Levy. We dive deeper into fame. I don't feel like I'm a paparazzi favorite. They're like, let's watch him eat a bagel. Family. But like, do I hate kids? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And show business. It wasn't like a sexy role where like I came out of it drowning in dates and then i force him to show me the most famous person in his phone and the answer will leave you shook she's incredible oh she's an incredible human being so cool and grounded in it for the right reasons and 
I guess that would be somebody. That's big. That's really big. All that and so much more is coming up next Thursday, but that's not all. After the break, I'm checking my voicemails from you. This week, I asked you to leave me scandalous questions about the hills, and I have to answer one. Let's hope Spencer isn't listening with a backpack filled with rattling metal. That's next. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And boys, it's time to check my voicemail. Check, check, check your voicemail. So I have a phone number that you can find in the description of this podcast because I'm tired of my mother being the only person in my voicemail inbox. I want you to call and leave me a message anytime to ask me anything. At the end of each episode, I have to answer your question live on this podcast, no matter what the question is. It's like a fun little game that could get me canceled. So this week I asked you to leave me questions about the hills. Let's listen to one. Hey, Jesse, this is John, all the way from Toronto. I am so excited for your podcast, and I am just dying to know, do you keep in touch with any of the cast members from the hills? Oh my god, John! Thank you for your message. So, do I still keep in touch with any of the cast? I wouldn't say keep in touch, but I have run into them because I live in Los Angeles where, you know, they most of them still reside. Um, so let me think. So one time I was at the Malibu Country Mart. I don't know why I was there because it is an outdoor mall for very rich people. But for some reason, my husband and I are like, they let the, they let the riffraff in. We're walking around the mall and we see Brody Jenner DJing at the opening of, of I want to say it was like a surf shop, which really tracks. He's like playing EDM in the window of a rip curl. And Evan is like, oh, that's Brody Jenner. Did you know him? You should go say hi. And I was like, Evan, I mean, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I know him. I mean, I 
he may or may not have a restraining order against me after years of virtual stalking. So as Evan and I are arguing about Brody Jenner outside of a window that Brody Jenner is standing behind, Brody Jenner sees me, bangs on the glass, and motions for me to come in. So now I'm like, fuck, Evan, get, go, go, god damn it, go away. So I go inside the rip curl, and now I'm just catching up with Brody while he's like, you know, spinning on the turntables. I'm like, how are you? Great, great to see you. Like, over the techno in the rip curl. So that was um, my romantic reunion with Brody Jenner. And then most recently, I was at my local playgrounds, two minutes from my house with my five-year-old identical twin boys who have a problem with personal space. They have, and if you're a twin parent, please tell me if you experience this too. They have no personal boundaries with each other because like they shared a womb and they share a room. So they, they don't have any personal boundaries with other children. So they will go to a playground They will choose their mark, okay? They will pick on one kid in the playground and then just surround the kid. Like the two of them will walk towards him from either side, like like West Side Story ganging up on a kid, which is terrifying for a small child. Imagine just having two of the same face walking up to you and standing an inch away from you, like touching you and staring at you from all sides. It's like the shining. So one day they're doing this to a little boy and he starts sobbing as you would. He is heaving, convulsive, crying, screaming. I run over and realize instantly it is Whitney Port's kid. My creepy twins have attacked Whitney Port's child and I have to do like a, I'm so sorry. How are you? It didn't go great. It turns out we live blocks away from each other, but so far, no invites for a play date. Maybe I'll call her on the show one day if she takes my call and her child isn't in therapy forever. Uh, So those are my most recent run-ins with The Hills. I hope that answers your question, John. Thank you for your messages. Keep them coming. And thank you for being here with me on my inaugural episode of Phone a Friend. Truly, it means so much to me. We're going to have fun on this show. Um, I was also told I was supposed to ask you to follow or subscribe to Phone a Friend and rate and review this show. Five stars is my four Emmys. So please get in there. Thank you to Daniel Joseph Levy. He'll be back on next week's Phone a Friend because we have so much more to talk about. And the rest is still unwritten, you know? Have a great week. Have a sexy Valentine's Day. Or if you're married or Dan Levy, don't. And we'll talk on Thursday. Okay, now I have to go pick up my children from school, so I should probably put on pants. Bye! Phone a Friend was created by our mom, Jessie Crookson. The executive producers are Jessie Crookson and Jason Yanba. The technical producer is Rob Parrott. The amazing theme song and sexy interludes are by Jay Melanowski from Badwin Sound Clash. Phone a Friend is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Credits are by us, Ray Gatika and Real Gatika. We're her kids. That's crazy, right? Wow, you're still listening? Okay, see you next week. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.